0: Hey, Bob, the VP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder podcast, episode 231.
1: Woo! Woo!
0: This show is brought to you by PeachPay, the perfect company to start your new or next web development career. And nexus, manage hosting plans that keep Woo shops powerful, profitable, and error-free. I'll tell you more about a pod friend later in the show, but let's get started. As Anna and Jonathan chat with Ronnie Burt from Sensei, where we learn more about the education and LMS ecosystems and how they play into
2: Woo. This is uh, your co host, Jonathan Wold, and I'm joined here today with Anna Maria Radu. How are you, Anna?
3: Hello. Good morning. Good morning from the beautiful Cordeline. How are you?
2: I'm doing very well. And today we have a special guest with us, as is always. There are always special guests on Do The Woo, but yes. uh, and today we have Ronnie. Ronnie, welcome.
1: Hey, thank you very much for having me.
2: And where in the world are you joining us today from, Ronnie?
1: I am from home in Austin, Texas.
3: Beautiful.
2: For those of you the, you listening who don't have the privilege of seeing the video, you have a fantastic piano behind you. <laughs> and uh, how long have you been playing piano, Ronnie?
1: I think I started taking lessons when I was probably 10 or so, but, uh, I don't play as much as I I would like mostly like around the holidays or something,
2: but I've enjoyed finding that there's quite a few like musical, like folks with musical backgrounds in the WordPress space broadly. So it's like we're talking to someone and they happen to either have an instrument behind them or they've, they've like, there's a few folks I know who have music online that you can like listen to and like, man, this is awesome. It's a music is, is fantastic.
3: Jonathan is a musician himself. He might tell you about his talents,
2: very multiple,
3: nice. plural. <laughs> Go ahead, Jonathan.
2: I enjoy music thoroughly, uh, and I'm, I am—I can. Sometimes I should probably be more humble about my abilities than I actually am. <laughs> but I enjoy it. So, like, I carry a harmonica around, and uh, uh, I'm known to to bust it out unexpectedly, and to my own—at least to my own personal enjoyment. So I enjoy it a lot.
1: <laughs> ah, very nice.
2: So, Ronnie. We're, we're going to talk about the ed- education in the LMS space today. You let's start out with your background, though. Like, how did tell us about your background? You you didn't start out doing stuff on the web, is that right?
1: No, I mean my first career out of university, what I went to school to be was to be a math teacher. So I was a math teacher for six years, algebra through calculus. Um, though I really did while I was. In college, I got really lucky um, with an internship all four years of of the university program at an accessibility institute at the University of Texas. And my job there in part was to look at university websites on campus and run them through some automated accessibility scanners and write up some feedback and send them off to, to people around campus to make improvements and
3: how long ago was this?
1: So this I started in the fall of two thousand. So okay. twenty twenty two oh, wow, years ago. Wow! Wow! wow. This is yeah. the early days so, of accessibility.
3: My, my math yeah. doesn't add up on this. I'm not
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How
3: no. did you do that? No. It, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it, you know, we all we all get to to forty someday, and I'm right there. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> the. <laughs> Yeah. So, but my experience there, like, it introduced me really to the web. The, the director of the institute was really instrumental in writing the web accessibility guidelines that that we still use today. And so, it just exposed me to that community, to being around the web. They were using, um, they were really big in, I think it was movable type, and like trying to get accessibility into that. So, it kind of exposed me to open source and, and that sort that sort of thing.
2: And what was the the interest the original interest in math like how did you, what led you to say, "Oh I want to be a math teacher yeah
1: that's a good question i just in school it was always my favorite class always seemed to do well, and I had some really good teachers i think and if you ask any educator um you know about how they or why they got into education, I think the most common is like a good teacher right and so I definitely can relate to that and you know what in I, I was able to take a few computer science courses and math is pretty related, some some overlap there, and just building stuff even before university on the web exposure there.
2: So was the web accessibility work then? Was that a bit of your foray into the web or what had did, did you have interest prior to that? Like was there any context before you started focusing on the accessibility piece?
1: Yeah, even, like, in high school, like, uh, I think we had a dial-up internet account that came with some, like, public web space, and so I, I realized you could, like, somehow FTP in and, like, add a file to the web and, like, access it, and playing with that when I was a kid, you know, but didn't build anything useful or, or interesting, but, and so, I I mean, I graduated, I got my first teaching job, and, um, but the whole time I was teaching, like, i I knew I wanted to be in education, but I just started building things uh, I was building websites to help build community around math teachers. I tried a search engine for lesson plans for math teachers like I was just like exploring kind of entrepreneurial things. And that led me into WordPress for sure. Cause anytime I wanted to build something to like, Oh, I could use this plugin or I could use this service.
2: When did WordPress first come on the radar? You mentioned movable type, which was a contemporary in the early days. When did you, when did WordPress first
1: become a thing to you? Uh, It must've been like 2006 when I think I built my first couple of WordPress sites. And um, really that was, I uh, kind of just played with, with different technologies then I got on a list for uh, a mailing list for a company called WPMU dev, which really focused on multi-site and a lot of the things I was building was was um, what was called WordPress MU or multi-user then and uh, became like a paying member there and for a couple of years was building some things. Um, nothing too successful, mostly just to kind of like scratch my own itches. About six years into teaching, um, my wife got accepted to grad school in Spain and I needed a job (laughs) while she was in grad school and really started like, okay, I got to find a career out of this. And WPMU dev, which I was a member of sent out uh, an email that they were looking for some people and I applied and eventually got hired and then stayed there for like almost 12 years.
2: Now, now, I'm curious about the, the inflection point. So you had the opportunity with moving where you're like, okay, we're, it, this is an opportunity for a career change, but you had some building interest and accessibility up to that point. You'd done some of the web things. You, you t- It sounds like you'd pursued some entrepreneurial interests. Did, did you see this as still within the education space when you went to MU Dev?
1: It was because they yeah. had um, EduBlogs as a platform, and that's what I went to go work on on, on EduBlogs. In fact, Edublogs launched, I believe, like a few weeks before WordPress.com like yes. itself. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And still a large, if not, I mean, one of the largest few WordPress multi-sites in existence. And uh, so I definitely had my hands there in, in building tools for teachers and for students and eventually into universities that, that we were working with. Um, so it was kind of a combination it kind of flowed back and forth between EduBlogs and our education services to WPMU Dev, like it, it varied over the years, um, but always had that education focus.
2: So it had the education focus and it sounds like you made sort of a, a natural segue into more of a technology focus within education and, and then the the scale that comes with it, right? Like the the broader impact that you can have in the space.
1: Quite honestly, it was like, we're moving. I knew we were going to spend a year or two in Spain. And I was like, I thought I would come back. I went to grad school to be a school principal. And I thought I would come back and find an administrator job. But then, no, I I loved what I was doing too much and uh, the flexibility and freedom that came. And being in the classroom and working with schools and teachers directly. But there's, you know, this this is much better for me. But
3: I get that you still do part of that. I saw that you attend all sorts of uh, meetups, uh, the WordPress accessibility meetup, other types of events where you teach in one way or another, right? You still, you still educate people on, on WordPress matters.
1: I hope so. I mean, that's a goal. It's a, it's a big part of what I want to do because it's important and it's fun. I mean, more <laughs> importantly than anything for me personally, it's just something I enjoy. So
2: 12 years is a long time at a company. Uh you started out focused on you said edu edublogs and like some of the sounds like some of the plugins. What what did the arc of that time look like? Like what did what did you do over that uh that period of time?
1: Yeah, I mean when I started there, we were maybe six, seven people, all freelancers. Uh, you know, most of us had other gigs. I had other gigs for the first several years. I was teaching online at university and kept another freelancing like a little group um but then as we became more established we kept growing and you know it became a full-time proper role and we grew into a pretty um you know legitimate business there's about 200 people i think when i left um you kind of get to see a shift it seems like every time a company doubles in size like it's a massive shift in just the culture and the, the dynamics and what what it takes to be so you know from seven to 20. And then again, when we hit 50 and hundred, those are all like pretty magical <laughs> milestone moments. They're big
2: jumps. They're, they they can be very big
1: jumps for companies. Yeah. So getting to live through all that and, and be part of that was, was a lot of fun. And
2: now at this, so, so touching on WooCommerce for a moment, uh, when did uh, like take, cause now you work on Sensei, right? And you're focused on that. So we'll talk more about that in a bit, but when, when did Sensei first come onto the radio?
1: I mean, really early on, um, Sensei is around I should know this, but I think it's about, a little over eleven years old.
2: yeah it's it's uh, it was an um, early product,
1: yeah. yeah. and you know there were a couple of competitors out at the same time, actually at WPMU Dev, we had a competitor um, for a while that that I worked on some.
2: What was it called? It, I'm trying to
1: remember. course press.
2: Yes, course press. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: There's so many presses and courses and campuses mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's confusing. And it's still available on GitHub, by the way. Um, but I don't think it's seen much love in a long time. So, you know, I definitely, we saw that. We implemented or through edublogs, blogs and that snowballed into a brand called the Press that I was managing. Um, we had customers using different LMS plugins that we were hosting and yeah. supporting. Yeah. Now-
2: and for those who don't know, let's just, let's take a moment just, just to define some things. So LMS, learning management system, can, can you kind of just give us a little bit of like maybe some background on the space from your point of view as an educator, like when, uh, yeah, whatever you think is relevant, but presuming that folks don't have as much education context. What, what are some, maybe some basic terms or some context that you think would be helpful for them?
1: Yeah. So yeah, excellent. Thank you for that. LMS is learning management system and There's so many different types of LMSs out there now and so many sizes and scopes. And uh, there's like an LMS for every niche and genre that you can think of. But historically, you had some big giants in the field. You have Moodle, which has been around for a really long time and is an open source project. Uh, You could say along with like WordPress, like Moodle is to like the LMS space, what what WordPress is to, um, to, especially in the open source CMS world. And Moodle still has a, a large thriving community best I can tell
2: and is it fair to say in terms of like definition that's like the lMSs are used by educators to manage the student experience and 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 vice versa students to sort of track and manage like it's, it's yeah it's where the it's a technology basis for like where the learning components are brought together and
1: yeah. And historically, it was for like large organizations, right? You had uh, universities or enterprise corporations or whatever with their M- LMS. But over the years, we've seen through like the creator economy and the expert um, industry, right? Um, individuals creating courses, knowledge um, that they'll they'll sell or give away as part of your coaching services or consulting services, or, or it's a marketing lead generation. I mean, there's so many different uses and um, kind of use cases that you see with courses. And so that's really where you started seeing things like Sensei and all these LMS plugins that kind of popped up being a way to, well, you already have a WordPress site and and that's where your marketing site is, or maybe your membership site. Um, It's natural to put your online courses on the site. So you use an LMS plugin for that.
2: Excellent. Now, and and just to sort of cap off the, at least for the moment, the personal side of this. So 12, give or take 12 years at Inksub focused on like the, the broad array of the education space. And at that, what, what was your focus at the, when you wrapped up your time there, like what were you working on?
1: We had moved into hosting and I was spending so much time on hosting like enterprise. We, we were, we were sort of, uh, almost like a WordPress VIP for, um, for the education space for universities and school districts and, uh, marketing level websites. And we had consumer like, uh, managed hosting through WPMU dev as well that I worked a lot on. So I was getting out of the education world, basically. Like I felt like I was being pulled more into like the hosting world, which I also find very interesting. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun, but I could just feel myself being removed further and further from, from the education space. So you
2: have this like deep root in education. Sensei comes along as an opportunity and you've been doing that, uh, about six months now
1: yeah started uh November of last year
2: excellent and
1: and for those most folks on this
2: this on this uh, uh, podcast would know, but for those who don't, can you just tell us a little bit of what Sensei is and what you're focused on
1: yeah so Sensei, well it's originally a a woo project a woo product from from woo themes before woo was part of automatic and was a, was a plugin that I think was sold along with a theme because WooThemes was making lots of themes for, for selling courses. Um, and then was acquired by Automatic when when Woo moved over. Um, and it, it went through periods of more focus and less focus within Automatic. I think anybody could see that if you were paying attention, um, that sometimes, you know, updates would be a little bit... Um, less frequent, or, or maybe not as big, but uh, well, when I came in, and right before I came in, you know, six months ago, it's become a, a really big renewed focus within the company. We have uh, tripled the team size, focusing on it at more than tripled, um, and you know, uh, dedicated multiple dedicated engineering teams and marketing and and all sorts of things to to put around it and just see what we can build and and make it the most useful product as possible to those that are creating and selling courses
3: so how would you describe your role in this project
1: i'm just the general lead of of sensei Mm. project so um covers everything from the product and the development side and our business strategy marketing pricing all that sort of good stuff so it's a
0: Hey everyone, Bob WP dropping into the show for a short break to tell you more about our two pod friends and to thank them for their amazing support. PeachPay prides itself on helping your clients increase their WooCommerce sales with Express Checkout. As they reach more of the market, how about joining their team as a developer? There's nothing better than being part of a product that has solid leadership and values around the Woo community. PeachPay is currently hiring developers who have worked on WooCommerce plugins, especially those around checkout and payments, and have experience in core tech including PHP, TypeScript, CSS, HTML, MongoDB, and AWS services. So take that next step in your Woo development career and check it out at peachpay.app/join. Then you can really do the Woo our sponsor Nexus has made some game changing enhancements to their managed hosting plans. These include WooCommerce automated testing, sales performance monitor, and plugin performance monitor to keep you or your client sites powerful, profitable, and error free. Trust me, we know it as Do the Woo is powered by Nexus. Now, best of all, all of these are free with any Nexus plan, so make sure and take a moment and head over to nexus.net. Make sure and check out both of these pod friends, and now let's get back to the show.
2: So you've got this deep context, and you know the space well, right? Like It's one of the things, it's always interesting for me, I like it when folks come from outside the ecosystem in because they get to bring a lot of their, their insights and perspective, you have the advantage of both bringing an outside perspective as an educator and also having deep, like long-term context for the space. So there's a lot of things that you've seen. So that, 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 at least from my point of view, gives you a lot of shortcuts to things that, like when you're in a, situ- a position like this, at very least, there's a lot of uh, mistakes that you can avoid that people who don't have context for the space can tend to make if they're coming entirely in cold but you and you also have this background as an educator and that that presumably much broader perspective on like like for instance like what it means to uh, it, it's not just the technology right like it's it's also thinking about the education experience and you know, drawing from your background as a teacher and what you've learned and what you've seen other teachers do, that puts you in a really good position. So I think my, my question is, as you look at the future, like Sensei is growing, the team is growing, like what are you excited about? Like what types of things? There's lots of things to do in your position to build a business. You have the broader automatic ecosystem. You have all the things happening in the space. But what, what are some of the things that you're personally excited about for this with this opportunity?
1: Yeah, the projects that, that we're working on that I'm, that I'm most excited about that I just like find myself spending as much time and as possible is um, making that learner experience, like the end user, the ultimate end user of the course, um, just as polished and as educational and like as engaging as possible. And so, you know, for example, I see a lot of courses. I've participated in a lot of online courses, or see customers, and the course is just walls of text, lengthy lessons, lots of text. Maybe alternatively long videos, <laughs> which are which are nice. But um, my goal is that we build a product that makes it really easy for course creators to just, like, they can't help but build more engaging courses. And by engaging, like, interactive, um, like, people don't need to see walls and walls of text. We need to break it up with making them click the mouse to something <laughs> or, like, give some feedback or kind of choose your own adventure stuff that we're working on. Um, There's lots of things that we can do there. And so uh, really building in that. So it's kind of twofold. Like we're focusing on that end user, but the only way to get there is to have the course creator be able to do that easily and in a way that they can, they can find and you know, it takes a lot of time to build a course thoughtfully. It's also, (laughs) I'd
2: say a lot of folks, if you don't have that, if you don't have some context or background, adult education uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to say it's like harder than you think, but that's part of it. Because like when I began to like my foray into that, and I started to be curious and learn, say, like, okay, well, there's a lot of different learning styles. There's different. Like I might be able to create a course for my type of person. Most people. Don't consciously do that. They intend to, like, oh, it's for everyone in my particular niche, but they don't give thought to the fact that some people like to read, some people like to to see something. Others, like, so it's uh, in my experience, limited as it is so far. Because I love the education space. It's um, there's a lot to know and understand. If for no other reason than the fact that people learn very differently, and so when you're going to create a course as a creator, you have an idea. Most people don't say though I'm going to create it for this specific type of learner and be good it's they'll be broader but tend to miss that focus and yeah and, and it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is you both have that context and awareness and as you look at how to empower creators to you know you're th- thinking about things like that like how do you make sure that how do you help optimize for the fact that there are different learners and and that experience of the learner is going to be very different perhaps or should be than like what the creator might might be obvious to the creator of the course.
1: Yeah. And something I can elaborate there, um, like as a tip that I'm learning more about and like trying to read some of the latest research and things like we spend a lot of time. when I was going through school to learn how to be a teacher, we talked about what you mentioned, learning styles and that people learn differently. And so we try to think about that. Like let's put in a bunch of different ways of showing the same material But taking it further, the more recently, like, um, focusing on, you really have to tie that to the content being taught some con and it makes sense once you think about it, but the content, like, some things just lean, or just make more sense to be taught with a video than others. (laughs) Some things make more sense to have some sort of image that's interactive than other concepts, or, or being heard, right. And so uh, in the education space and as students, we were always taught, like, nope, I learn, um, like, I'm an auditory learner. I just learn by hearing. So then, as a student, we start thinking, I have to hear everything or I'm not going to learn it. But that's that's a fallacy, actually, that you can, like, you know, depending on the content and the concepts, certain teaching methods instead of learning styles take precedence. And so if I can, like, help build into the product, like, all those different methods or ways of making it easy to... Have more interaction or whatever it may be, then I'm I'm hoping that we have you know a better result.
2: And and this and I'm hearing this then positioning of for the creators being a guide to them of saying hey, like how, whatever the experience looks like, it's this intent of what are you trying to create? Let's help guide you in how to do that. Like oh that this type of content. You know you might try these types of things and I'm pardon my memory on this so learn.wordpress.org is
1: that using Sensei It is ma'am yeah, the yep. free version of Sensei
2: Yeah yeah and that so it's been very interesting to watch the shift. I love the learn initiative I feel like it's still early and it's like full potential. I've created a course on there or workshop a workshop brother and it's been fun to watch that grow because I think it's one of the I still feel like it's quite understated and still early but the education is a really important part, at least in my mind of this uh, carrying out the WordPress's mission. And, uh, and so I'm curious if you, any thoughts or does, does the learn WordPress, is it on your radar? Is it something that like, how do you kind of think about kind of what's happening over there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been able to meet with some of the the team that's working on, on the, on the, platform inside itself and on the content and i lurk in the training channel in slack in the in the make slack um and try to comment when i can or like contributor day is coming up at at uh word camp europe and i i hope to spend the whole time with the training team um you know so that anything that can be built in and released back to the public you know um definitely that's a big part of our mission
3: i have a tricky one yeah Ronnie. Do you have your own course on Sensei?
1: So I don't have anything public yet Uh, uh, that I've made. We should. Yes. (laughs) Um, When I was going through, you know, the process at Automatic, everyone goes through a trial project. Mm -hmm. uh, And um, they didn't tell me that my trial project needed to be a course, but I decided to create a course as, like, my (laughs) product. And that was super, um, like informational to me like i just was able to learn a lot through that process and I'm working on like a public demo course and things and i'm trying to do that Mm -hmm. myself just because i like every time Mm -hmm. i do that i'm like oh we need to change this just a little bit here or move that just a little bit there Mm -hmm. um so i'm a big believer in like dog fooding and using it yourself so um hopefully i can get to the point where i can do a a course of some sort to you more publicly we have other internal courses um, like all of our internal training for employee onboarding is all on Sensei. And so that team's very valuable, like getting feedback from how people are using it directly.
2: I love that idea of like having a good demo course that, because uh, those are a good demo is easier said than done, but when you can do that, right. Then it does a lot to anchor like, ah, like it, it sets a bar, right? It can uh, set a bar for like, oh, wow, this is an interesting way to approach this particular subject. And
1: uh, yeah, and, but I fall victim to the very adv- you know, I break my own advice, which, um, like, Don't I want know. it to be perfect and polished. And so then I'm, like, refuse to hit publish when I should just publish and iterate. But, well, just it
3: publish is, it. Just do yeah, it I right
2: know. It's easier Thank said you. than done, though, because, like, <laughs> it is. You're, you know, you have... You have this extra, we, we put these pressures on ourselves, right? But it's like, oh, like I work at Sensei now and I do this. And so it's got to be good. It's got to represent. And But but yes, you're also modeling what, whatever you choose to do. Like what, what message do you want to put out there to other creators? So good luck yeah. with that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: It will happen. I'm sure it will have something to do with math or music. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah I, I hope it's something that we're not really expecting. That's my hope. So oh, I'll okay. be keeping an eye on that. I right.
1: No pressure. No pressure. It, it's actually a good point
2: because if you do, like, a course on how to create courses, like, oh, that's
3: a, Ugh, it's, it's, it's too bad
2: yeah. there. I mean, it's not a bad. If that's the plan, that's totally fine. It's not but, the plan. Okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> on a more serious note, though, I saw that you gave a talk on um, a few years ago on democratizing education with WordPress. And this is one of Jonathan's uh, most favorite topics of all time. Um, if, if he would do social drinking, he would probably have that on his <laughs> on his go-to list, but he doesn't do that. So I would be really curious to hear your um, point of view on, on that topic.
1: I mean, I could get really philosophical and like weird. As much as your little corporate like thoughts here. And, and, and a lot of it is maybe a little bit different. Like when I was a public school teacher and like, I'm a big believer in public education, which is going through it's like some very serious movements and changes and in the U S right now. Um, Also our university system and higher education, I think globally is going through some, some pretty significant changes. And one common thread I think I see, including all the way up to like individual course creators and the like knowledge economy is that content is uh, historically those that own the content had all the power and had all the money. Right now content is pretty much like, free. I mean, it, content is expensive to create, but once it's created, it's out there. The
2: distribution costs are so low. Yeah. Effectively zero that. Yeah.
1: And, and so when I think about democratizing education, I think about like, how do we help like have the best content and those best learning experiences bubble to the top and be found. And I, I mean, I don't have serious long-term, uh, like, like a detailed plan <laughs> like there's no powerpoint presentation i can pull out to share with where we could go but if sensei can play a role or automatic can play a role in like in that content discovery and and sort of like maybe open versus starting to be with images and open source or and uh, creative commons videos and audio and images like something there would be very powerful.
2: Do you see it as more, is the mission more learner focused or creator focused or is it evenly split? Like, how do you think about that?
1: It's evenly split. Okay. Um, And it's hard because I would also try to preach, yeah, having one focus.
2: (laughs) It's hard, right? Because like with democratizing publishing, for instance, it's not, we're not democratizing reading. I'd argue that I think the mission in WordPress, like the way that I would frame it, like in my current thinking is it's wordpress at its core is more about empowering creativity on the web like cuz it pub- and publishing is perfectly fine as a concept but at this point people are creating the entire things that at least in my thinking go beyond the act of publishing yet it is very creator centric and yes, we obviously care about the end user and sometimes the the lack of focus can lead to some of the things like accessibility gaps, right? Where it's like we're overly focused on the individual creators. But it, it's a tension because, well, I guess I'll ask if you had to pick, which side would you pick? The creator or the learner?
1: I think I would choose learner, but then I would build things for the creator that help them help the learner. So like it bubbles up to the creator. And I would say it even bubbles up further than that. I, I think a big part of like, from the business model and business side of Sensei, like agencies, freelancers, those helping those creators choose the tools or implement the tools, like that's more our customer, but they're not our user. And so, it, it but it if we don't have a great learning experience, then like none of it matters.
2: I'd bet that you can manage that tension though, because in the case of like WordPress already has the creator focus. So if you lean on, because you're part of the WordPress ecosystem, it's almost like you could afford to be all in on the learner side of things in the context of being in the WordPress ecosystem, because like, I agree. Like if you don't do that, you're going to be like a lot of other plugins and and players in the space who do tend to be overly creator focused. And, and we end up having this, the, the end users themselves. Um, I, I would argue that WordPress has, uh, it had a significant edge early on. Uh, And it's interesting too, because who is the user, right? Because early on, there's a lot of people who are like creating the blogs and it was less like you could put whatever theme you want. It's going to be interesting because it's, they are two different audiences. And at least from my point of view, I'm really happy to hear the learner emphasis because it's where I think a lot of creators need help is for someone to say, Hey, we're, we've been thinking about this for you. We're going to guide you through that process. You focus on creating. We're going to help this learner side of it.
3: And also the learners can become creators themselves, so I think that that's a a beautiful effect that this can have
2: Let's talk about the the woocommerce connection uh, when you think about the education space where where does woocommerce come into the equation for you? like how do you think about what's happening in e commerce broadly and then woocommerce specifically?
1: Yeah, I mean it's that that knowledge industry right uh, uh, maybe membership sites is is a big um, a big example where lots of either membership sites have courses or courses have membership components and community components or something like that um, so that whole idea of like uh, courses I mean right now and how it works with Sensei and how it works with WooCommerce like course is a product and you sell the product and then you get access to the course so it's it's almost like any other product and then you know the beautiful thing is that all the other things that come with that every add-on is basically compatible right every extension is basically compatible um and so that's a big benefit of something like being a part of of the woocommerce um you know ecosystem at the same time i think woocommerce is is working on in general, I know Sensei is working on in general, like there are areas for improvement to streamline things or make it a little simpler to implement. Yeah. A little simpler to like, you know, uh, integrate with the payment gateway or whatever, because, um, well, I'll tell you when I, so of all the areas that I've been in the WordPress community for, you know, 12 plus years, WooCommerce is probably the thing I use the least in my, my, like we, I just, like I had, a. uh, less experience with with anything and then when you get hired at automatic if you've heard like you started to do a support rotation yes yes and i got put on woo support doing live chat support for woo so i'm sorry to those few people that that got stuck with me but um (laughs) i had really good mentors and you know people looking over my shoulder telling me exactly what to say um but it, it is uh you know with great power and great flexibility comes some complexity right
2: how much of your focus in the space has has touched the business aspect because like you've been in this for a long time with with inksub and uh it is my guess is that the business aspect for creators is has always been pretty prevalent or prominent is that is that been the
1: case yeah no absolutely and i i think you know we want to Uh, we want to empower people to be able to not spend forever figuring out exactly what extensions they need or what, what uh, settings they need or how to configure which payment gateway or whatever it is. And we want to still give them those options because there's a lot of usefulness in those options. If you're, if you know what you're doing Um, but you know, a movement to, to just making things a little simpler is going to, Make us all happy.
2: And I think in this in this current uh, technology climate, uh, I, I love seeing the proprietary platforms innovate and create these better like streamlined experiences at the end of the day. Uh, we, we talk about this a lot, this like difference between like ownership and renting. And you know we I think WordPress enjoyed some early user experience advantages over other options. Today, I feel like overall as an ecosystem we're behind on user experience and what it means to like empower a creator right and I don't think there other than it, it's hard work, <laughs> there is not a good reason we should be behind so it's uh yeah
1: I, I'm- I mean the main reason I think if we if we are behind is what I'm experiencing with Sensei too it is an eleven year old product yes and yeah. we have we have people using it for 10 plus years and they are using a setting uh, that relies on a function that like,
2: you can't just make changes to it. It, It's both an advantage and a disadvantage An advantage of a rich history and context, a disadvantage in that you out of uh, respect and good business practice, you can't just like make sudden moves, right? Like this is part of why people have confidence in the ecosystem is that there's a longevity to it. It's not just going to make a change to this or to that. And, but it can make innovation and like building that momentum a lot more, a lot more challenging. So I, I'm curious. So the, the the WooCommerce, and I think if it, to me, it seems fairly obvious. Like the, the connection is focused on that side of like, all right, if a creator is going to create and they have any business intentions, they're probably going to want to commercialize. And that's where WooCommerce, and that's, that, that's where that connection just comes in really nicely. And because they play well together, it gives you this like strong foundation to be able to build on. For for the builders listening, where where are the opportunities that you're currently seeing in the LMS space? Like like the folks listening are building plugins, they have service businesses focused on WooCommerce. From your point of view and the, with the context that you have, like what's the future look like? Where where should people be focusing?
1: Yeah, I mean. We're we're focusing on a couple of things, and I think the more people helping and and adding to that, the better. And so those are blocks in general of, like, interactive blocks is what we're calling them. Um, And there are lots of growing number of, like, premium block providers out there and free block providers out there. Um, But you can do some really creative things, um, like working on... we have a uh, flashcard block and image hotspot blocks. And some of these blocks exist elsewhere, but trying to do it in a way that then ties into the LMS and integrates where you can like require that they're complete or interacted with before marking a lesson complete. Um, you can give feedback or show and hide content based on like how those are interacted. So I think integrations there with the content and just exploring like unique ways of, getting the end user to like be a participant in the course. So also I'm very interested in like what's going on with uh, like in WordPress core with comments blocks and discussion blocks and being able to put those anywhere. And every time I play with it, it changes a little bit and like, we're not quite to the point where we can, we feel like we can build on top of it, but I I want to, (laughs) and I think we'll be there very soon. So I think others as well, like, um, like, changing from how it is today in a blog post with comments at the end, like let's put like discussions in line, let's like rank uh, comments up or I mean little things that just the things that you're, you're familiar with or um, you know, you like to do in something like Slack or on a social media, like build that into the content somehow. I think there's a lot of room for innovation there and uh I think that could be really interesting.
2: So for, for folks who are listening and they're like, oh, okay, sweet, I want to go build some blocks in the, in the education space, what what guidance would you have to offer them? Or like, what mistakes should they avoid? Like, How should they think about it?
1: Yeah, just download existing blocks and see how they work and like try to build off of them. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the, the open source community, right? We can all uh, learn from each other. Um, I've been playing and trying to find... Things that I like in learning platforms and outside of learning platforms on social media or messaging apps, there's all sorts of like journaling apps and, um, you know, all, all of these different tools. And I like try to make notes of like the interactions I like or the things that like I thought brought added value.
2: Is that the heart of it for you? Is it is it really like the content interaction is where the opportunity is? It's like a creator's created some type of content and what you want is to just provide ways for the learner to interact with the content. Is that how you'd kind of sum it that's,
1: up? That's, that's like my goal at the moment I, yeah. I, and I for the foreseeable future. And the reason for that is because if it's not interactive, then just publish it as a blog post. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs>
2: no,
0: that's,
1: a, that's a
2: good I, distinction. And if you take that focus, I think you can really go pretty, you can go very wide with that because you can then begin to think okay well what are all the possible inputs that a creator could have because that's one side of the equation right that can then lead you into things like like VR and augmented reality and just like okay what are the range of inputs like let's 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 anticipate because all I offer more offer creators more place ways of inputting and then for the learner more ways of interacting with it which can be across devices uh, it can be different uh, i could see there's uh, if you think about it creatively, I could see the the horizon opening up quite a bit with what could be done.
1: Yeah, and and I ultimately have a goal that like these tools are used outside of courses too. Like sales pages can be interactive and interesting, and blog posts can be interactive. I mean, it, you know, all, all the blocks that we're making you can use anywhere, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's exciting to me. It just kind of like just another iteration. Like and how we interact with the web,
2: yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting to see that that interaction growth being driven by learning because there's different things that we do on the web, right? Like we'll entertain ourselves, we'll uh, there's, there's uh, we'll just interact. There's uh, social components to it. Learning is pretty it's pretty like fun foundational to like value that we get from the web, right? We use it to to pick up new skills, to to learn facts, like whatever it might be. And if you and an interaction is a is a sort of deeply rooted in like human way like that's part of the learning process is how we interact with those things that we're learning, how we apply them. so it's cool to see you thinking that way
3: Ronnie, I just love it how you giggle every now and then when you talk about your work, I think that's the best. <laughs> I think that that's
1: wonderful it's just a lot of coffee oh is-
3: <laughs> uh, i i wish i could say the same but yeah i think it comes from deeper within and i'm happy to see that um thank you is there a recommended way on how people can get a hold of you
1: yeah um well sensei lms.com nice contact form there but also ronniebert.com it's my own little wordpress site um that is great. I'm Ronnie Bird on Twitter as well.
3: And Instagram. I checked that I, already. Yeah,
1: yeah, I am there.
3: <laughs> Lots of interactive content. You can go check it out.
1: Yes.
2: Excellent. Ronnie, thanks so much for joining us. Really enjoyed this. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what uh, you and the team do with Sensei. And yeah, excited to see what happens.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Really enjoyed it.
3: Thank you, Ronnie.
0: Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. If you're looking for that next career move, consider joining PeachPay as they are hiring WooCommerce plugin developers with experience in checkout and payments. Just head over to peachpay.app/join. And Did you know that with any Nexus managed hosting plan, you will get WooCommerce automated testing sales performance monitor, and plugin performance monitor, all free at nexus.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at DoTheWoo over on our site at DoTheWoo.io or on your favorite podcast app. And of course, until the next time, keep on doing the woo.